Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi with KCSB News. This is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. Before we get into our show tonight, which features my conversation with 3rd District Supervisor Joan Hartman, we want to remind you that it's Fun Drive at KCSB. Our once-a-year fundraising event kicked off today, so here's an early opportunity for you to pledge your support of this one-of-a-kind student-led college and community radio station. We're celebrating our 60th, 60th anniversary this year. 60 years? Can you believe it? Hard to believe, right? Did you know that KCSB FM 91.9 is the oldest of all the UC radio stations? A gaucho named Bill Harrison started KCSB in a dorm room here at UCSB in 1962. And since then, KCSB has evolved into being among the most active college community hybrid radio stations in the nation and maybe even the world. And you, our listener, are a big part in allowing us to do the things that we do. So for our first Inside Isla Vista fun drive, we are looking to raise $300 from KCSB listeners just like you. Would you consider making a suggested donation of $50? $25 if you're a student? We would uh, gratefully accept any amount. You can go online to donate at kcsb.org or Marley is here to take your call right now at 805-893-2424. Thank you so much for helping us to reach our goal of 300 in the next 30 minutes. Seems reasonable for a, a good first time dip our toe into this first day of fun drive i'm lisa osborne by the way here with um, jennifer yoshikoshi and um, you have a conversation with joan hartman tonight uh, jennifer do you want to tell us a little about it yeah thanks lisa so later in the show you'll be hearing about a future vision that they have for building more desperately needed housing in isla vista but first, in this segment of my conversation with Supervisor Hartman, she explains how Isla Vista, with the help of local voters, was able to form the local government here, the Isla Vista Community Services District. And then later, Joan and her aide, Gina Fisher, share one of the biggest controversies they encountered during their time representing Isla Vista. My name is Joan Hartman. I'm the 3rd District County Supervisor. Isla Vista was in the 3rd District when I was elected. Uh, so I've been serving Isla Vista for five years. And now Isla Vista is going into the 2nd District. And so uh, it'll have wonderful representation, but I'll sure miss it. It has been in the 3rd District for 141 years. So it's a big change. Wow, that's a very long time. <laughs> but Isla Vista is thought to be a very unique community and is special to a lot of people here. Can you speak on your feelings towards Isla Vista and what this community means to you? I started my career as a college teacher. Moreover, a college teacher of environmental studies and government. And I got on that track because of the Santa Barbara oil spill. Uh, and so... Uh, to, to represent Isla Vista seemed to be many different strands of my life coming together. Uh, I love faculty, I love students, I love the vibrancy and, and aliveness and energy um, and the sheer beauty of, of Isla Vista and, and the potential. And, and much of the potential is being realized, but there's, there's always a lot that can be done to make it even better. So that, that always was something to inspire me every day. 
And along with Isla Vista, the third district includes many unincorporated communities. What's the importance of representing these places within the county? Unincorporated communities rely on the county to provide municipal services, so parks and libraries and a lot of the quality of life things in addition to public safety and roads and sidewalks. And sometimes it's difficult to know exactly what these communities in unincorporated areas want. And because we are such a big county, uh, it really matters to have local partners who can say, we speak for the community and this is what we want. These are our priorities. So um, anticipating what you might ask next, that's why I'm a big, big supporter uh, and have been since the beginning of the IVCSD and, and also uh, what was created as the first local government over 50 years ago, the Ivy Reckon Park District. And so, yeah, touching back on the IVCSD, um, can you reflect on how it's developed over the years? Like the Isla Vista Community and Services District was one of the biggest changes for our community. Yes, and it was anticipated for over 50 years how to give local governance, how to have people who were lived in the community, were elected by the community, and accountable directly to the community. So I, many people have had this vision for many, many years. And I was lucky to come in uh, as it was actually coming to fruition and helping with the creation. Um, I was there when Darcel Elliott was leading lots of meetings about what powers the CSD should have. Uh, we supported the campaign for its creation. Um, the tax didn't pass at that campaign, so we had to have another campaign. And if the tax didn't pass, then the CSD would be disbanded. So it was critical that that tax pass. Uh, and then was able to provide office space and, uh, you know, just, just help it get, get on its feet. Um, we also had an opportunity from the county, both, both the university and the county appoint members to the CSD. And so our first appointment was Bob Geis. He served on the board. He worked as the auditor for uh, several decades for the county. So he knew a lot about county and funding and um, the previous um, RDA, um, the redevelopment agency that existed and I don't fully understand, but Bob Geis understood all of this and he was able to really uh, in that first board um, help the CSD get its feet under it. And so I'm, I'm really proud of that appointment. And now Carrie Topliff is the appointee uh, as Bob goes off to travel. And, and she's also great and knows ha, has a tremendous skill set that I think is well suited to this time uh, in the CSD's evolution. And for you to come into Isla Vista while these big changes are happening, can you reflect on what Isla Vista looked like when you started working with the community five years ago? Uh, I worked as a planning commissioner under the previous supervisor, uh, Doreen Farr. And, and so I have a before and after the CSD perspective a little bit. And it, I, it's always 
always been a wonderful community, but again, it was it was disorganized, a lot of energy, a lot of ideas, but not a place to bring them together and figure out how do you actually structure projects and implementation and, and building. So a lot of conversations prior to the CSD, but it was much, much harder to get community consensus and a real action plan and, and following it to fruition. And that has changed. And in addition, the CSD has, has really made a huge difference in being able to channel energy into real results. Yeah, I've definitely seen how the CSD has done so much for our community and has done better for our people here. Along with the CSD, is there anything that you've seen was like a really big change that you see will continue to be incorporated in Isla Vista or you um, have seen already been incorporated? As a supervisor, uh, one of the really, really important things is public safety and the safety and well-being of students in Isla Vista. So um, I remember before I was elected, there was a, a program, UCIV, where training students to be um, to patrol on weekends and hand out water and engage in harm reduction so that people um, you know that on the alert for people if they've been over imbibing uh, and and trying to make sure that they were safe that program evolved over time um, and and now we see a number of different programs but uh, you know we it's gotten quieter on Halloween and Deltopia, but it's also gotten safer. And that's really important. I mean, we, for me, one of the big measures is, you know, how many emergency calls for the fire department to go out. And, and those have just plummeted. And, and that's really, really important. Um, you just don't want to see young people uh, in the emergency room because, you know, something that's easily avoided. So, so that's really important. Um, we, we've also worked on, on lighting programs. This was an associated students uh, working with the CSD and others. We actually walked around. They did a tremendous spreadsheet where they looked at each individual light. And some of them were full capacity and some weren't and some areas were dark. So we went around with public works and uh, I, you know, ground truth this uh, spreadsheet and then actually put together a work plan that the utility Southern California Edison actually implemented. So that was um, a really big step towards more uh, a safer area. We put in a lot of sidewalks, um, and a lot of aesthetic improvements along Pardal. And I'll let Gina Fisher talk about the stoplight because before the homeless encampment, which we'll get to in a minute, um, the stoplight was one of her biggest accomplishments in office. Um, so part of the improvements in Isla Vista, one of the first things that happened when we were in office was the installation of the stoplight by Freebirds on uh, Pardal and Embarcadero del Norte. And so um, it was among the most controversial things our office has ever undertaken. <laughs> and and it was because um, 
it was a change. It's a big change for Isla Vista residents to have that. And it, and a lot of folks felt like that meant it was like the threat of um, taking away some of the charm, the, the bike, pro bike and beach charm that existed in IV. But our public parks department, you know, we had a lot of different studies about different areas and how this could really improve public safety. And we had a lot of studies about why other alternatives like a roundabout or something wouldn't work in that. And, you know, we really had to engage the community and the campus community um, to get them to accept the stoplight. So it seems totally benign, but to the IV community, it was something really, it wasn't just important for them um, to, to have this, but it was very important for them to have their voice heard in the process and to be put in the know and to be engaged about the reasons why this was happening and exploration of alternatives. So our office went about to really do that and it went off without a hitch. And in fact, some of the most vocal people who were opposed to it immediately came to find, hey, now when I go through the intersection, I'm not as tense, especially as a pedestrian or as a biker, you know, looking. And in fact, so many people said, and we want another one on Pardal, you know, <laughs> on Embarcadillo Del Mar and Pardal, which we, you know, the budget was there. We would certainly advocate for that. But it was just a really neat experience to engage so many people in what was a minor change, but an important change and to end up having the community really adapt and accept it. And so that was a huge area of accidents, and we, we witnessed many of them with bike-to-bike, bike-to-pedestrian, bike-to-car. And, and we had data. We had an intern create a heat map of all the collision data that was reported to CHP, and that was just among reported, and that was one of the most um, uh, accident-prone intersections. And uh, so we made that small but mighty improvement. <laughs> Wow, like I never, I actually never noticed that there was only one stoplight in Isla Vista. So if you take out on El Colegio, you know, there's some on El Colegio, but um, outside of there, and then there's a couple on camp. I mean, we had to really research this. We were like, you guys, there's a couple on campus. You're already used to stopping. It's not maybe as traffic, but there are a couple on campus stoplights that you already stop at on your bikes. And once you got people thinking about it and talking to them and showing, we really put a lot of thought and research into this. Um, it ended up getting wide acceptance, and now it's just commonplace. That was Joan Hartman's aide, Gina Fisher, explaining some drama that went into Isla Vista getting its first traffic light at Pardal near Freebirds. This is Inside Isla Vista on 91.9 FM KCSB. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi. In a minute, you'll hear more from my conversation with Supervisor Hartman. And I'm Lisa Osborne coming to you live today here on the first day of KCSB's annual fun drive. You know, we only do this once a year. There are some stations, a lot of stations who rely on listener donations who will do fun drive after fun drive. And we only ask you once a year to pledge your support to support Santa Barbara's college and community and independent educational radio station. And Jennifer Yoshikoshi, you got your start in broadcasting right here on the station. And this is actually the first time you've been in the studio live due to the pandemic. How does it feel? It's uh, really, really exciting, but I'm also really nervous to be here. I remember starting at KCSB during the pandemic and everything was pre-recorded. So I've never been in the studio before until the start of this school year so i'm really excited to finally be in here well we're so excited to have you here 
Yeah, and when you make a minimum suggested donation of $50 um, to support reporters like me and the station, you'll have the opportunity to pick up some cool KCSB branded merchandise. And that could be ball caps or t-shirts. But you can see more of that on kcsb.org slash donate. Or you could give us a call at 805-893-2424. Our goal or challenge to you for this half hour is to raise $300. And so you can help us do that by donating now by calling or going to kcsb.org slash donate. And some of our news reporters have donated. I'm going to be making a donation soon. And Marley is here to take your call. 805-893-2424. As we get back into Jennifer's conversation with County Supervisor Joan Hartman. Yeah, so with Isla Vista moving from the 3rd to 2nd District under new redistricting boundaries in Santa Barbara County, Greg Hart is going to be Isla Vista's new supervisor. And here is where I asked Supervisor Hartman about the biggest challenge during her time serving Isla Vista. Probably the most difficult thing we encountered came late in our tenure, and that was during COVID. Uh, Isla Vista was a magnet for um, the unsheltered. There was a traditional community, uh, small community, under 20 people. And when COVID hit, a lot of the shelters had to close down or really reduce their numbers. And so we, we saw encampments grow into Isla Vista. So we may have had in those encampments between 80 and 100 people and then other people living in cars. And because the there was an effort not to make people move and spread uh, the virus around more and more things accumulated and it really became a fire hazard and a health hazard and and so in isla vista there are many people who are strong advocates for the unsheltered and and just wanted to leave them be where they were but it was really a, a health and safety issue and so we, we had to move people from the encampments where they were and brought them into an encampment and then uh, were able to get the pallet shelters. Uh, and it was kind of an experiment, but it turned out it was around December, just before Christmas, we, we got an operator, Good Samaritan, that came in and said, we'll do this. It's a heavy lift, but we, we really believe in this program and so we were able and it was really cold and so a lot of people wanted to get into those heated pallet shelters and and they allowed a certain amount of privacy because they have their own door you can lock Uh, a lot of people who've lived unsheltered don't want to live in a congregate setting but they will go into a small place that that's their own or that they share with one other person so we we were able to make Um, some real changes in people's lives, get them connected to services, get them, you know, people don't have driver's licenses. They don't have uh, identity. So how could they ever rent an apartment? Um, Getting them connected if if they had problems with drugs or um, alcohol, getting them services. If they hadn't had certain kinds of dental work or uh, put off operations, So there were even people, somebody was being trafficked, there were children, so getting them in more appropriate settings. So that was really gratifying, and Gina did a lot of the work, and it was was really a partnership with Good Sam 
and our public defenders interdisciplinary team and our um, housing and community development department. But it was a heavy, heavy lift uh, to deal with the unsheltered. Uh, but now we're very excited because we have the Hedges House of Hope and that's transitional housing for about six months. So now there's, you know, a place for people to go and, uh, and get stabilized and then ready to take the next step in their lives. So that that really was one of the most difficult. And when we started out, we didn't really have the whole uh, trajectory in mind. We were just trying to deal with it step by step. Now we have Lompoc in our district, in the third district, and they have a major encampment along the Santa Ynez River that's also a fire and health hazard uh, and an environmental hazard as well. So we're taking the lessons that we learned, I hope, from in Isla Vista and applying them there. The pallet shelters are already there, but we need now to organize an effort and hope it'll be as successful as the one in IV. Yeah, and like you mentioned before, Isla Vista was like a magnet for these houseless people. And I remember speaking to some of them last year over the pandemic, and a lot of them felt very welcomed in our community by the people that live here and just felt like a special connection to the area. Just And I got to hear a lot about um, the people that were living in the pallet homes and how they're getting help. I know one man that I met was treatment for his knee that he was having problems with for years. So it was was great to hear about how Isla Vista itself was helping these people get better and lead them into a better life. Yeah. And it was, it was really a, um, we walked around these encampments and it was really an idea from students about these pallet shelters. Why don't we create a setting where we uh, bring them together in, in kind of a camp? And, and so that was idea from students and we took it back and uh, brought it to fruition with everybody helping with it. Mm-hmm. That was definitely one of the greatest projects that I've seen um, here in Isla Vista. I know I'm only a third year, I've only been here for a couple of years, but that was such a big movement that I saw. Yeah, it, it, thank you. That, that really is a, a, one of our proudest. There are a couple of things we, we didn't get done yet. One is housing. I'll let Gina talk about that. A lot of people didn't know, more know now than ever, but UCSB and the county um, actually and the city of Goleta have a, an agreement called the Long Range Development Plan. And that was uh, developed in 2010 because the legislature Um, rightfully directed all the UC campuses to plan in the next um, 15 years to grow their enrollment, right? And so, well, how do you grow from 20,000 students to 25,000 at UCSB and you need to um, build housing for them and have the services and classroom space and you need to build your amenities um, as you bring them to the area. So we had the agreement, um, it all laid out with environmental documents, planning documents about how um, UCSB was going to build housing, most importantly, to house that 5,000 increase and the manner in which they were going to do that. And in addition, there's part of it is when you grow your students, you also grow your faculty and your staff. So we had all these, we have all these agreements about how they were going to go about and accomplish that over 
uh, either they needed to accomplish it by the time they hit 25,000 enrollment or the year 2025, whichever came first. And so over the last few years, we've closely been monitoring UCSB's enrollment. And um, from the county's perspective, based on their own reporting out to the community, UCSB is well at the 25,000 enrollment. They would say they got there a little sooner than the, um, they were planning to because of uh, direction from the legislature. And yet they are 3,500 beds short of what they're supposed to build to house the students. And so in the last year, especially, our office has been inundated by young people, community members who cannot find housing. They cannot find adequate housing in Isla Vista or on campus. And so they're fanning out into the area. And this, of course, on a tight housing market has implications for the whole region. So the county and UCSB uh, have been in uh, intense um, uh, negotiations, talks um, about getting UCSB to make good on the agreements and, and build the housing that they're legally required to build. And then this summer, UCSB announced in the middle of July, here it is, long awaited, this housing project with $200 million um, by a very wealthy donor. And uh, and it's gonna house 5,000 students, which will solve you know, our deficit of housing. And we're gonna get this, uh, the largest building ever built in Santa Barbara County history in the coastal zone built by 2025. So the county <laughs> has a little bit, has a couple concerns. And so um, we've really been working really, really hard to compel UCSB to make good on, on their housing. And it didn't go unnoticed that this past year they had to put hundreds of students up in local hotels as a result, I would say, of their lack of properly building the housing they're legally required to build yeah. as their population has grown. But instead they've got this other proposal and that's going to take a lot of environmental analysis. And I think it's going to raise lots and lots of concerns. We don't want students living on the streets and, and, and having to couch surf. And quite frankly, living as densely in housing that's very expensive in Isla Vista. It's, 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 it's just too dense and the quality of much of the housing isn't good. So we need to get housing on campus so that we can eventually rezone and, and create a, a better housing stock in Isla Vista for students, for graduate students, for faculty, have, have a, diff, a, a better mix of, of ages and families and single people, and ideally a more commercial business area because the reason we have a CSD rather than a city is that Isla Vista can't support itself. It doesn't have businesses or hotels or it doesn't bring in the tax base that will enable it to provide the services that a city needs to provide uh, when it's created under California law. So um, all of this hinges on UCSB building its housing on campus so that we can begin to create a better environment than even exists today in Isla Vista. And one day that it could, uh, with different zoning, become a self-supporting city. Uh, and it could be a really dynamic place with uh, you know, a research uh, 
work live environment where right now so that's at least one vision that that many of us including me had for isla vista is again to become um, more diverse in the the housing stock and the housing to uh, commercial property so um, I also think a lot can be done with microgrids and energy and car free. So Isla Vista could really bring forward the vision carried from the, the oil spill and then the emergence of the environmental movement. And Isla Vista could really seize on that and make that its identity going forward. So a lot of unfinished work but uh, many great people working on it. So those are just some of my thoughts. I think those are all the questions that I have for today. Do you guys have anything that you want to say? I was going to ask if you had a message for our listeners, like as you're no longer representing us anymore. <laughs> well, you have, you have a great representative coming in from the second district, uh, but the board as a whole, uh, is very supportive of Isla Vista and, and what Isla Vista and UCSB bring to the county. So in that sense, the entire board still serves you. And we're eager always to hear from students on issues that uh, are of interest. And there are a number of them coming up this year. You've been listening to my conversation with Joan Hartman, who has represented Isla Vista in the county for years. Now that Isla Vista has moved to the second district, we have a new supervisor. But Supervisor Hartman is still on the board and said she will continue to support Isla Vista in any way she can. That was a good interview, Jennifer. Thanks for doing that. And I know that um, Supervisor Hartman likes working with students and talking to students. So I know her and she and Gina had a nice time talking to you. So we're here in our Fun Drive show live in our KCSB studios for the first time in quite a while. And this is Jennifer's first time in the studio. You've been a reporter with us for over a year. What's the best part about being a reporter with KCSB News? I think just being able to speak to so many new people and learn about their lives. And it's just always so fun to learn about new things and being able to go out and experience things that you wouldn't be able to just on a regular day. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad that you still have a couple of more years of school here at UCSB, and I hope you'll be sticking around with us uh, even beyond this school year because you're doing a really great job. Thank you so much for, for your good work just about every week on Inside Isla Vista. And as I mentioned, we're in Fun Drive, so you still have time to donate to KCSB eight, uh, at 805-893-2424. We set our goal for $300. We are right about there thanks to a more than 200 $100 donation from our good friend and listener, George Bundy. Thank you so much, George, for your generous support. Marley and Shirley are on the phone, and uh, Jennifer is out there, too. And we could take your call at 805-893-2424. You can also go online to donate or find the address to mail a check at kcsb.org. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And it's day one of our fun drive. We'll be back with you again next Wednesday with another fun drive show. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi. Our theme music is Siesta by Jazzer. This is 91.9 FM KCSB.